Hey everyone, welcome to season two of Queerbait, a podcast dedicated to all things LGBTQ plus in Hollywood and beyond. I'm your host, Rebecca Down. And I'm Miranda Myers. And on today's episode, we're introducing two fun-ish pieces of news. And we're going to be talking about if chivalry is really dead. (laughs) I'm excited for that. Stay tuned for more. To start off our news this week, the popular British children's show Peppa Pig has introduced its first same-sex couple, two lesbian polar bears, following years of calls for more LGBTQ characters on the show. In an episode that aired Tuesday on Channel 5 in the United Kingdom, Penny the polar bear tells main character Peppa Pig that she has two mummies and draws a picture of herself holding hands with them. I live with my mummy and my other mummy, Penny says in the episode, which is titled Families. She adds that one of her moms is a doctor. The cartoon show, which centers around a four-year-old piglet and her family, has been translated into 40 languages and broadcast in over 180 countries and territories, including the U.S. A petition was first circulated in 2019 calling on the show, which has aired for nearly two decades and won three BAFTA awards, to feature same-sex parents. The request garnered nearly 25,000 signatures over the last few years. One of my favorite part of that news is... Yes. Is that they have to do the flex where one of Peppa Pig's friend's moms is a doctor. Like, that's just included. Yeah, they're like, just to let you know, they're gay and they're doctors. Yeah, they're gay and one of them is a doctor. Okay, only one, sorry. Yeah, one of them. Um, Yeah, that's a pretty good flex, though, being gay and a doctor. Yeah, like if you ever... I'd fall for that. Yeah, if you're ever gonna be a good example, be a doctor. And gay. And gay. At the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Um... But yeah, on a more serious note, I really appreciate this news. I'm a bit big advocate for like LGBT representation within children's media. I think that's almost where representation matters the most. So this is exciting for me to hear. Yeah. And then I think on the flip side of that as well, to be a gay mom with a wife or a partner, to see yourself represented, I think that also makes like parenting easier. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it makes it easier to explain like, see, watch the TV and like some people do have two mommies and that's normal and it's on the TV. So obviously it's representation. But I also think that has a big leap in terms of like normalizing. Yeah. Obviously, especially for kids. They're like, oh, this is a normal thing. I'm Mm -hmm. seeing it on TV. Well, a lot of children's media, you know, is very educational, whether it's aimed to be or not. It's going to end up teaching a child of that age something. So um Definitely, I think it's an important jump to be including LGBT people in a show this popular. Yeah, which is huge. I don't think we air it to the same degree in the United States, but it is huge. It says it does play here, but I don't think it's as big and definitely not as big as like Sesame Street or like Blue's Clues, but it is big internationally. It's a BBC show, right? Yeah. Or a Channel 5 show. That's cool. My news is not in the education sector at all. <laughs> Yours is in the Hollywood sector. I just did the beyond. Please put me. Well, TV's still Hollywood. Oh, okay. Sorry. Mine's just like Hollywood, Nashville, Hollywood. But it's UK. So is that Hollywood? Does that even count? <laughs> um, Yeah. My piece of news has a lot of characters. So you're going to have to stick with me a little bit. All right. I'm ready. All right. Okay. So for my piece of news, the main character is going to be Maureen Morris, the country singer. 
Um, I don't know if you really know her too well, but she was on the track The Bones, which is really big in a pop song. So it was on The Bones, Maureen Morris. Um, but our main character who kicks this all off is Brittany Aldean. And that's Jason Aldean's wife. Jason Aldean is a country singer. On August 23rd, Brittany Aldean posted an Instagram video of herself doing her makeup with a caption that said, I'd really like to thank my parents for not changing my gender when I went through my tomboy phase. I love this girly life. Her husband, Jason Aldean, responded in a comment saying, LMAO, I'm glad they didn't too, because you and I wouldn't have worked out. Two days later, singer-songwriter Cassidy Pope, who I think won The Voice um, or American Idol, but I think she was on The Voice, criticized Brittany Aldean's comment on social media. Cassidy Pope said, You'd think celebrities with beauty brands would see the positives in including LGBTQ plus people in their messaging. But instead, here we are, hearing someone compare their tomboy phase to someone wanting to transition. Real nice. Cassidy Pope's not that important. Uh, We don't really have to know who she is, but it is important because Maureen Morris, who is a bigger name, then commented on that. It's so easy to, like, not be a scumbag human. Sell your clip-ins and zip it, Insurrection Barbie, which is a huge diss to Brittany Aldean. Brittany Aldean responded to the backlash later that day by doubling down on her statement. And in a lengthy thing she shared on her Instagram stories, Brittany Aldean wrote that advocating for the genital mutation of children under the disguise of love and calling it gender-affirming care is one of the worst evils. She then continued by comparing being transgendered to one of her children wanting to be like a dinosaur or a cat. And she finished by saying some parents want to be accepted by society so badly that they're willing to make life-altering decisions for their children who aren't old enough to fully comprehend the consequences of those actions. Obviously not great. Brittany Aldean is being very transphobic. She's doubling down on that. And then she's invited to go on the Tucker Carlson show. And Tucker Carlson on the show um, called Maureen Morris a lunatic country music person. Maureen Morris took that sentiment printed it on a t-shirt, which she sold sold on her online shop and made $100,000 in 24 hours. And she donated all of those proceeds to um, Trans Life or Trans Lifeline and to GLAAD. $100,000 in 24 hours. After that happened, The Green Room, which is the public relations firm of Jason Aldean, announced that it would be parting ways with the singer Though it didn't say in its statement that the decision was related to his wife's comments, they did say music has always been and remains the green room's core focus, so we had to make the difficult decision after 17 years to step away from representing Jason. We aren't the best people for the gig anymore, but we will always be big fans of his music, and he is one of the greatest live entertainers in the country. First thing I want to say is that had to... I'm impressed with the green room dropping him, because that had to be like... He's Bad money-wise. Yeah. He's yeah. a big name. Yeah. I think you commented on this before that that felt more like a moral thing than a business decision. Mm-hmm. And I'm behind that. I get behind I mean, that. I have to hope that it was. I'm sure there were some people typing in the numbers and deciding it was okay to do it behind the scenes. Yeah. But I don't know. From this viewpoint, it seems like a moral decision and I do appreciate that. And I don't know much about the green room as an entity um some of the other names on their roster like the only other really big name that i know offhand is dirks bentley i don't know if you're into country music at all but that is a don't pretty po- pretty popular name but then everybody <laughs> else on this roster is like lauren akins tucker bethard bobby bones 
Brooks and Dunn, maybe Bobby Bones. Bobby Bones. But I think the two biggest names then would have been Jason Aldean for sure. And then Dirk Bentley is also big in the country world. Mm-hmm. So the idea of letting maybe your most famous slash popular client go because you disagree morally with a stance that he took. And I like his wife for sure took, but I think by commenting that you also are like, yeah, he was agreeing with it, you know? He is. Um, so I thought that was cool of them. I also thought it was cool that Maureen Morris had enough like confidence to take that like quote that was used against her and then turn it into a hundred thousand dollars for a charity. Yeah, like that's actually making moves. It's not just like some performative uh allyship. It's like putting your money where your mouth is. Yeah, especially yeah, and I think it's even better when you're actively being trash talked a little bit to just be like, Oh, I'm gonna do this and then donate the funds. I mean, I know Last year, was it, Beyonce did kind of the same thing. Like, there was a diss against her, and then she, like, made it her merch. But I don't think she donated the funds. But the idea of taking something against you and using it has been done. Mm-hmm. Donating yeah. it immediately to the cause that, like, caused the issue in the first place. Yeah. What a power move. That's really impressive. And it makes me want to listen to her music more. I think it's, yeah, right? I mean, I don't not like Maureen Morris. But I don't really listen to her music all the time. Yeah. The Bones is huge pop song. And she has a song with Niall Horan from One Direction. Oh. Yes. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and she opened for him on tour, I think, as well. So it's not like she's like a teeny tiny name in the industry. She's like just country and maybe that's not huge in LA. Do you think she's gained a like a boost of following from like LGBT people at all? Yeah, I was kind of trying to figure that out because to sell $100,000 worth of t-shirts, you're either pretty popular or like Tucker Carlson. Each shirt is $100. Yeah, or like Tucker Carlson is really popular and like gained traction for you. Like any press is good press. Is that what we're learning from this whole thing for her? Well, the thing about Tucker Carlson is so many people like hate watch him. Or at the very least, like he has a following and he'll go like viral on Twitter or whatever. But it's because people hate whatever he said. So maybe it does help. Yeah. I mean, she's she's popular enough already. She has a number one song. But it's got to help. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to help a little bit. Um, but that is our two pieces of news for today. After the short intermission, we're going to get into the question of is chivalry dead? And other questions that you might wonder about the gay community. Stay tuned for more. I'm going to be upfront with you. This idea came because of Twitter. Like the internet inspired Don't most ideas. 99% of what we talk about is spurred by Twitter alone. The discourse. Yeah, the discourse online led us to where we are right now. This Every moment of my life has been decided by the discourse online. By just Twitter. <laughs> um, no, but it came up. It came up on Twitter. And then I realized that this was like kind of a pattern where people on Twitter or people on Reddit will like ask kind of a well-meaning question because they don't know the answer and then they get a lot of sassy responses like oh you idiot you should know blah 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 and sometimes sometimes they're warranted sometimes they're not yeah and sometimes I read a question and I'm like I guess that's a pretty fair question Mm -hmm. and this question initially it was for straight couples and it was the question of is chivalry dead yes That's in the straight community. That's definitely a valid question you can ask because it's very traditional in terms of what chivalry is. And then I thought about in the gay community, is chivalry dead? And did it ever really exist then? 
And I guess a good place to start for this would be the start of chivalry and how we think about it. Yeah. And the start of chivalry, and we've looked up the definition, is the medieval knightly system with its religious, moral, and social codes. So chivalry has existed forever. And it was initially about <laughs> forever. Like, yeah, it was initially about like religion and morals and like knights having that. Mm-hmm. And so I think when we say is chivalry dead, ironically, it like does refer back to like the medieval idea a little bit. So we can probably confidently say that that ethical and moral code Existed. is sort of dead now. Yeah, like the idea of fair combat in this in duels in the streets, that's gone <laughs> because so is combat in the streets. Yes, I get it. But chivalry, the idea, has warped over time. We've kind of come to a new definition. Yeah, especially amongst, like, dating. Yeah. And, like, male-female relationships. Yeah, where you can, like, tangibly see the sexes. And really, even when we talk about that, that is warped out of medieval times to maybe the early 1900s to one woman had the right to vote. Men were the only ones who could have a bank account. Mm-hmm. They were the only ones who could drive. Yeah. So these things that maybe aren't quite so chivalrous, like our chivalrous now, were just like mandated then. If a woman couldn't drive, a man offering to drive isn't chivalrous. It's legally required. Yeah. And I think you have a lot of women really appreciating it back then, too, because you're like having a new shot at doing something because of a man has like provided that to you. Yeah. Like, I couldn't even go out unless you came, picked me up, and took me there. Yeah. And so when we talk about it in the modern times, it's almost reminiscent of that era. Like, chivalry and that, like, oh, a man, like, he said he'd come pick me up today for this date. Well, I do think that people, whenever they're like, oh, I miss chivalry, or I miss when a man would do this, they're also the same people who are like, couldn't we go back to the 50s? You think those, you think those are the same kind of person? You don't think so? I was thinking that if we're thinking about chivalry, are we thinking about like chivalry or like mutual respect a little bit? When somebody's like, oh, you're so chivalrous, he did this or something in straight relationships. I think when they say that, they're anticipating like showing up with flowers or opening my door for me or giving me a jacket when I'm cold. And sure, those are like mutually respected things, but aren't those things that like, I don't know. They're kind of like the stereotypical thing that like a woman might expect a man to do or at the very least that a man expects that he's supposed to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which I when guess they're does, playing into those roles. Yeah. Which I guess does tie then into like the moral code of ethics. Like if a woman is cold, give her a jacket. But it also plays into the like masculine expectations. Like is a woman supposed to give her jacket over to a man if he's cold? No, like the idea that the like man, a man is supposed to suffer, or, yeah, yeah, or provides for those less fortunate than himself. So I don't know if it's really mutual respect. You're right. I'm not sure mutual respect was the right way, but I think it's the idea of like a modern woman being like, now that I can do those things for myself, it shows a lot about you that you're willing to do it for me. That's the chivalry now. Yeah, you're right. It is not someone who can't do it and I'm doing it because I'm such a good guy. It's like, I'm doing it because I want to. I'm doing it to make you feel special. And it is like a little more romantic, I think. It feels more generous. Yeah, it feels more sincerely generous. But it also then, I think, comes from like maybe more equal power a little. Like a woman could do that. A woman could drive. She could come pick you up. She could put her card down at dinner. 
And now it just says something that like, you're willing to do those things knowing that I could do those things. So I think in that way, yeah, it still exists very clearly in straight relationships. Can I ask one more thing then? Yeah, sure. Which might be controversial. Mm -hmm. But I think you see still a lot of chivalry in like macho men or men that want to be more masculine. They're trying to like show off maybe or like take some of that power. You agree or do you feel like you've seen it? What type of man, I guess, is performing the chivalry more often? Oh, that's a good, that's a good question. I think, yeah, I think you'd either have people who are like more maybe like macho in nature. Like you need me to take care of you. This is my job to take care of you. Or maybe you'd have like, I guess, the gentler souls who are just like, more thoughtful in action like oh you look cold you know what i mean but are they thinking it of thinking of it as chivalry then or is it just mutual mutual respect i don't know is intent that important in chivalry i think the people the men that you're gonna hear say chivalry or say like i don't know say that term to me it has a different connotation between the man who's just thoughtful and the guy who's actively like i'm trying to be chivalrous yeah or i'm i think I think when I think about it, and maybe this is unfair, I think the guys who take chivalry super seriously are probably the guys who also like expect you to be a stay-at-home mom, raising kids at home, because I'm going to go out and I'm going to provide. I guess that's kind of what I'm saying, that I think you see the most anti-feminism, I guess. Yeah, because isn't chivalry a little bit inherently anti-feminist? It comes from the fact that women could not do certain things at that time men had to do it like we haven't lost the tradition of it all right like the idea of you doing that stems from the fact that 50 years ago women weren't allowed to drive but then you have a lot of women modern women who are feminists and everything who still really appreciate those like acts of kindness especially on a first date or something which they mean a lot to a lot of women right which is where i think you see intent come in if you're going to be the kind of person who feels like oh i have to do this for you then that's different than me just like noticing you're cold and offering a jacket or something. Yeah. And I think that'll come through maybe not on the first date, but like on the second one or third one, you'll start seeing the intent behind the chivalrous actions to really decide if it's just being nice and making me feel special or having like an underlying idea of what a woman, what a woman (laughs) shouldn't be allowed to do. So could chivalry even exist with two men? Yeah, it exists double. (laughs) <laughs> both men twice yeah, the chivalry twice the chivalry both men feel like they have to provide they're just constantly like taking, taking off, off their, their jackets, jackets. <laughs> <laughs> to offer them to you if you're cold no but seriously um i'd have to say that with gay man it probably doesn't why not well you don't have those like gender roles or that like power dynamic that i think chivalry kind of depends upon Or at least depended upon. Like, because both parties are pretty equal, you don't have to? Yeah, like, if we're going to say that chivalry depends upon, like, gender differences, then here it wouldn't apply. Yeah. I think something interesting that you said before was that same-sex couples aren't immune to the idea of chivalry. You see it in rom-coms all the time. You see it in sitcoms all the time. Like the idea of a guy like taking off his jacket and putting it in a puddle so you can like walk across. Mm -hmm. And so maybe you want to emulate that in a gay relationship 
whether that's two men or two women, like the idea of doing something kind. But I don't know if it has to be chivalry because there's not that like historical power dynamic. Yeah, I guess it wouldn't fall under the same definition. Yeah, but I think it is interesting because those questions will still arise like who's going to pay, but there's no power dynamic or like thousand year history of tradition where like it's going to be the man who does it Mm -hmm. so if any either guy on a gay men date or either woman on a female date does it then it's not chivalrous because it's not tied to gender it's just tied to the like peacocking like you called it of like trying to woo someone so the chivalry isn't there but the like desire to woo you or to be like a just kind person or a generous person is the underlying statement there. Yes. I agree. I think. So maybe a controversial question. Are those moments where two women are on a date, if we're on a date and I offer to pay, is it more sincere because I'm not expected to pay? Like I genuinely just want to? Yeah, I guess I would take that as a greater sign that you're interested still. That I'm willing to do that. Yeah. But if it was like a guy and a girl and the guy pays, it's like, well, he was supposed to. I'd have to talk to my straight friends to see what they think about that. But yeah, that makes sense to me. That's so crazy because my mom has told me before that in her 20s, she had a very strict like code of expectations. Like when she was going on a date with a man. There were certain things he just absolutely had to do. He had to pick her up. He had to have like a clean car and be on time. If he was late by like a minute, she wasn't going. (laughs) If he didn't pay, she'd never talk to him again. And I think that's changed with time in general, but it's also funny to now have like a daughter seeing a woman and it's just different. You know what I mean? Like I would not do any of those things because none of those expectations maybe exist. Yeah. Like not only have the times changed. But also you're gay. Yeah, yeah, as well. But do you get what I'm saying? That like either one of us could go pick up the other one and it's not that crazy. But I get why it was expected then. And she would be like, if you're not going to. And everybody, like all the guys do, you have to. Yeah, we can't really rely on the rules of our moms. Final question then. Do you feel... Final question then, do you feel like chivalry in its modern form, in modern relationships, whether that's with straight couples or with gay couples, is only romantic in nature? Like if you were out at the movies with just a guy friend and you got cold, would you expect him to take off his jacket and give it to you? Would I expect him to do it? No. If he did, would I think it was romantic? Possibly. Like, for the most part, chivalry is romantic? Yeah, I think I've placed that, um, I don't know, definition upon it. I'd be like, oh, are they into me? If he suddenly gave me his jacket. Which is different than maybe this is the, like, double standard of, like, same sex versus opposite sex couples where like if your best girlfriend noticed you were cold and was like oh here I'm not even cold would you think she was flirting with you or you'd just be like oh thank you for that how nice of you is she gay or is she straight Mm, doesn't matter a little 
Okay, if we know she's straight, she's just being nice. Yeah. But if we if know she's, she's gay, gay, she's for sure flirting. She could be flirting. So anything, You don't think so? Well, I guess that's what's like chivalry is then. Then it's like inherently romantic. If there's any fleeting suspicion that they might be into you, doing anything nice, like picking up the tab or giving you a jacket, means that they have to have a romantic interest in you. In a one-on-one situation? Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's not true. <laughs> because I've been in a situation before where I just went out with a guy friend. We were both single and like he paid for my check. And then I paid for it the next time. But I just mean like, I don't know. I never thought he was into me. So maybe, maybe that's not true. I have had maybe one time the expectation. I was with a guy friend and we were at like an outdoor event and he had like three jackets on. And I had a tank top on and it got cold in California for maybe the only time ever. And I remember him being like, oh, are you cold? Like super concerned. He's like, oh, my God, are you cold? And I said, yeah, I'm freezing. And I remember him like pulling his third jacket closer to himself. And he was just like, yeah, it's a bit chilly out. And I was like, wow, you're not even going to offer me your jacket. How dare you? Chivalry is dead. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, chivalry is dead. And I went home. Mainly because it was such a funny joke. He immediately offered me the jacket, but I expected him to. And maybe that's where the danger is, is that I expected him. Was it because he was a guy? I think it really had to do with the fact that he was wearing three jackets already. That like, what's one minus (laughs) jacket going to hurt? But I think so. I think I did expect him to offer it. And when he didn't, I was like, I remember being like, chivalry is dead. And then I went home, walked down the street. (laughs) never came back I was dedicating myself to the bit of being mad but I was just cold well what can you do you can't stay out in the cold yeah um but I do think it's interesting for general purposes if you are going on a date with another woman who pays I guess I would usually pay but I think that just comes from my generous nature you just got a kind heart yeah. and a big wallet. <laughs> um, you're the one who said this before, that you feel like whoever is pursuing should pay. Whoever asks to go out on a date should pay. Yeah, but sometimes, especially with like internet, internet relationships, you might not be like entirely sure which one is the one pursuing Oftentimes, too, when you, like, just go on a first date, you might have been only talking for, like, one day, and the other person is just kind of like, sure. You know what I mean? Like, there's no, like, oh, I'm really into you, so I want to take you out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess so. And I think, I don't know if this is a problem with modern dating or just a phenomenon with modern dating where no one announces their intentions to pay anymore. And because chivalry isn't how it used to be, men don't always just immediately pay. And so it makes it this weird gray area when it used to be very black and white. Yeah. Um, I will say that two of my um, gay women friends recently said that the other woman, before they went out, was like, I'll pay for this. Like, I'll let pick me you take, up. Yeah, let yeah. me take you out and then pay for it? Yeah. So... Maybe it is just becoming more of like, I'm showing you that I'm interested. Yeah. Do you think that 
straight couples who meet on the internet have that same thing? Or do you think that they don't and guys just are expected to pay still? And I will say that I do have a straight friend who is constantly annoyed when she goes on dates and is asked to split the bill. She will. She makes enough to. She can provide for herself. But it does annoy her still when a guy is like, let's split this. Or if she ever has to pick up the whole bill, she will. And she's just like, I'm never going to see them again. Let's split this, I think, is the worst. Especially when you first start dating. I think someone should cover it. So to me, being like, let's split this, that shows like the least amount of interest. Like, I just want to part separate ways. I don't want to put anything into this. You know what I mean? We've separated equally. There's no date two after that. If someone asks to split the bill, what if you have every intention to do it and the other person offers? To pay for it entirely or to split the bill? To split it. I'd say no. You're like, no, I'm going to do it. But would you be like, wow, you're not even going to pay for all of it? Yeah. You'd be offended either way? If the other person was like, let me pay for all of it. Like, oh, I wanted to pay. Maybe I'd let them. But if they said, let me pay for half or let's split it, you'd be like, I'm never going to talk to you again. (laughs) You're not interested enough to pay for mine. If that's their first response. I don't know. We're getting into semantics here, but let's say I was like, oh, I'm going to pay for this. And then they're like, no, don't. At least let me pay for half. Like, that's just, you're just saying that, you know, that's the battle. Yeah. And then I would say, no, I'll cover you, babe. <laughs> she'd be like, "Wow, babe, on the first date, huh?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, I'm really feeling it." Um, even funnier is that one of our friends, her bigger issue is not paying for the bill or splitting the bill. She doesn't like doing that, but she hates when they don't make eye contact. It has nothing to do with chivalry, but I think it's funny. She'll pick up entire bills and not mind as long as they made eye contact. To me, she's looking for someone who's just not shy, not not a. Not a baby. Not a little baby can hold a conversation. Yeah. Can't pay for the bill. Don't be so nervous that you can't look someone in the eye. Yeah. I read somewhere that modern dates cost like over $100 a date in metropolitan cities. And the reason for that, can you guesstimate, like aside from like food prices? I don't know. Travel? Yeah, travel. People don't have cars, so they're like Ubering places which is really expensive especially with covid so the total price of a date has gone up exponentially can't they just take the subway in la the metro and matt would you would you be impressed if your date got off the bus that was probably running late i would just say i don't have a car i had to bus everyone in la has a car so what are you talking about i'm just saying that situations like this probably exist in like chicago and new york well i'm just metropolitan cities i said what i said All of them have public transportation. Keep just listing cities. Miami. New Orleans. Wichita. Boise. Do they have public transportation? I I would imagine they have to. No, they just ride horses everywhere. Just LA that doesn't. So I can't imagine they're being talked about. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. And then I thought that I almost had a little more sympathy for the idea of like men always having to pay. Or anyone always having to pay? That if one date will cost you $120? Yes. I can see not always wanting to pay. So maybe the gay way is the best way. Just it's a crapshoot, really? Whoever asks? Yeah. But then guys are asking more. Sorry, men. (laughs) There's no way out of this for you. Chivalry is dead. 
No, but for real, overarchingly, is chivalry dead? Yes or no? For the straights. No, it's not. No, dead. no, it's not. Yeah, dead. I had to think about it, but I'm going with no. Is chivalry dead for the gays? It never existed in the first place. It just wasn't even there. Um, I think showing that you care about someone is never going to be dead, but it never existed in the way of like an expectation of one party. Yeah. So it never there existed. aren't those clear cut dynamics. Yeah, but paying for the bill and opening doors still comes off as very nice. Mm-hmm. But the expectation was never there. Yep. Sounds good to me. Looks like we closed this one. Close the chapter on this one. <laughs> Thank goodness. Just the chapter? The book's still open. The but... book, yeah, the, the next chapter is going to be the next episode of Queer Bait. Oh, okay. Stay tuned. Um, but that is all that we have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram at Queer Bait Club. You can find us online at QueerBaitClub.com. And you can email us at QueerBaitClub at gmail.com. Wow, you knew all of that. That's You always forget every time. I know, that's why I made you say it. It's the club <laughs> part that gets me. Um, if you have any suggestions for topics that we should cover or something that you'd like us to look into more thoroughly, please feel free to send us an email. Feel free to reach out on Instagram. Yeah, we're comment. looking at those DMs. Um, so far, we've only had like five, but that's pretty cool still. We've had some ideas thrown our way. Um, thank you so much for listening and tune in next week for more. Thank you.